Well, we're going to have Arthur, Main, I don't know, Main Chess, something like that. We're going to have him come minister. And I tell you, Arthur and I met uh, in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. We were both at a conference with Jim Richards. I don't know how many years ago that was. It's over 10, I'm sure. It's 12 years ago. And I tell you, I really liked Arthur. I love the ministry that he's gotten. So we've ministered in South Africa together. Uh, he's been in um, England with us, and we've ministered a lot. And he's one of our, uh, what we call adjunct faculty here. He lives in Fort Collins, but he ministers here in the school a lot. And I tell you, Arthur has a real revelation of the love of God and just shares it in a real clear way. So anyway, Arthur, you come up and give us heaven, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, it's uh, just such a privilege to be here and to be able to speak into the lives of so many of you here that I'm sure many of you could also be up here and, and have a word from the Lord. So I'm just so blessed to be here together with you. How many of you enjoyed the word uh, last night? Amen. Praise God. I tell you what, that's just an awesome word. And I tell you, I was so excited when I heard what Andrew was uh, sharing on and what he felt that he needed to share on, because I believe it does connect with, um, you know, what, what the Lord has laid upon my heart to share with you. I want to speak to you today about hearing the voice of God. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> hearing the voice of God is such a foreign concept in today's society. Um, many people, uh, you know, find it a, a foreign thing for anybody uh, who claims that they hear the voice of God. Um, you know, in many, in many circles that if, if you would uh, claim to hear the voice of God, uh, it is actually just a confirmation of your insanity. As far as they're concerned, I mean, you, you know, you, you actually hear the voice of God and, you know, I can imagine, you know, some people would stand behind you and go, you know, he's, he's just not right in his head. But, you know, yet with all of the skepticism that there is about uh, hearing the voice of God, one of the greatest and deepest needs and hungers for us as human beings is to hear the voice of God for ourselves deep in our own hearts. Amen. You know, and, and uh, as men coming together like this, we are, we, many of us leaders, uh, we uh, head up our homes. Uh, it is so important if there's ever a day that we need to be able to hear the voice of God uh, clearly and hear what God is saying then today is that day. We live in a, in most probably, I think, I personally believe, we're living in the greatest time in the history of the church of Jesus Christ. I believe we, are, we have got just all of the, the uh, tools to be able to bring this gospel. And I just want to thank God today just to, to see how the gospel is going out. But, you know, hearing the voice of God is clearly taught in the Bible and in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Hearing the voice of God is not only something that is biblical. Um, I believe that for a believer, any believers here today? For, amen. For a, for a believer, um, I think that the, hearing the voice of God should not, 
just be something that is strange. It should be normal. In fact, it should be supernaturally natural for us to hear the voice of God for ourselves. You know, Jesus said, and, and, and I don't have time to go through all of these scriptures, but let me just, in laying a foundation for this, let me uh, give you a couple of scriptures here. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 16, He says, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, um, and that he will abide with you forever. Now, you know, the first thing I want to draw your attention to is this, is that I believe today we are living in a time, and, and, and it's always been this way, that God is continually constantly talking to us. I believe that. I believe that God is speaking to us by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that he says, you know, he will pray the Father and he will give us another comforter. And this comforter, he says, he will be with us forever. So we know that, that we have the presence of God by the Holy Spirit and he is with us forever. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So I, I believe Jesus was, was saying to us to assure us that there's never going to be a time in which God's presence is not going to be with you. And so God is speaking to us through the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, John 16, verses 12 through verse uh, uh, 15. Uh, well, let's just start there with verse 15. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot hear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Now, now Jesus makes it clear. He says, when the Holy Spirit who abides with you forever, when he does come, his job is to lead us. His job is to, and notice he says, Whatsoever that he hears, he will speak to your heart. He will show you things to come. So the, the, the hearing of the voice of God is something that is, um, it should be natural for us as believers. But yet many people today struggle to hear the voice of God for themselves. Many people have been led to believe that, uh, in fact, I was, I was watching uh, a couple of uh, months ago, I was actually out in San Antonio, ministering in San Antonio, and I was watching uh, a, a, a television, television broadcast of uh, a very well-known ministry on television. And, and, and this, this preacher was actually teaching that God does not just speak to anybody. And that God only speaks to certain people who are leaders in the body of Christ. And that the rest of the body of Christ needs to be attentive to the, 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 these giftings that God has given to the body of Christ. Now, I'm, I don't doubt the fact that I'm not uh, discounting the fact that, that we have gifts to the body that God has given us. And people and, and, and men of God who can hear the voice of God and give us the word of God. But for me, the most important thing is we have one of the greatest privileges, brothers, to be able to hear the voice of God for ourselves. We have been given access. We have been given uh, uh, access to God and to His communication with us, to commune with us without the intermediary. 
that we don't necessarily need somebody who's, in, who's, who's interceding or being in between me and God. God wants to speak to us. And, 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 he, and in fact, turn with me in your Bible. So let's go to John, uh, John chapter 10 and verse 1. Jesus says, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not in by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a, and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Notice here that Jesus said this. He says, when, and, and he's talking here about himself. He's the shepherd. He's the door. And he says that, that when he comes, the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name. Man, what is important about it for me is that, that not only are we to hear the voice of God, but it is so intimate that God knows your name. Hallelujah. He knows your name. He knows who you are. And he knows how to speak to you. And he says, and leadeth them out. Verse 4 says, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth forth before them, and uh, the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. You know, Jesus is making this very clear, is that is th- this is not just for, for just specific people or special people in the body of Christ. But we are the sheep of God's pasture. And he says, and we are to not only hear his voice, but to know his voice. Because he knows us intimately. We can know him intimately. Verse 5 says, uh, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of a stranger. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in, in the body of Christ is that, is that how easily it is for people to be, be blown about with every wind of doctrine that comes across because people are not adapt to hearing the voice of God for themselves. And because of that, you know, a stranger can come and speak. And it's amazing how people just will be blown around with all kinds of winds of doctrine all the time because they don't really know to hear the voice of God for themselves. And as I said earlier, you know, if there's ever going to be a time for us to learn to hear the voice of God for ourselves... Not, not to all the time have to go to a meeting and hoping that the, the prophet's going to have a word for you. But that you, that you can commune with God as men, you know, because we, we all here as a, in a men's conference and as men, as heads of our homes, as uh, leaders in our community, um, as um, business owners, uh, uh, employees, we need to be able to come to that place where we can hear the voice of God and accurately hear the voice of God. Amen? You know, right now, there are a great many things that I believe God wants to share with us, that He wants to talk, He wants to lead us into, He wants to share with us, but we're not ready to hear it for, for whatever reason. 
You know, if it is true, and it is, that God wants to talk to us, if it is true that we are to hear the voice of God, if it is true that as the sheep of God's pasture, we are to be familiar with God's voice, then why is it that so many people struggle to hear the voice of God? You say to me, Arthur, how do you, why do you say that people struggle? I deal with people all the time, all over the world. And, and wherever I go, Christians mainly, I'm, I speak in conferences, I, I, I go to churches, uh, you know, here in the Bible school. And, and all I have to do is listen to people sometimes and listen to the, what they're talking about, what they believe God is saying to them. And I realize that they are struggling. They can't really hear the voice of God for themselves. You know, turn with me there in, in your Bibles to John chapter 12. See, in most cases, I believe, because... What I did was I said, Lord, why is it that, that people struggle so with hearing the voice of God? What is it about us that if it is true, and it is true, that we are to hear your voice, that we are to know your voice, that we are not to follow the voice of a stranger? Why is it that people struggle? And the first thing that I came up with, uh, and, and the Lord led me to this passage of Scripture, is that it is not that people do not hear the voice of God. It's not that people are not, uh, uh, you know, spiritually tuned to the place where the voice of God is not audible or, 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 or they can't hear it even in a spiritual level uh, in their lives. It is that most people, when they hear the voice of God, they misunderstand what he's saying. Amen. You know, here in John chapter 12 is where Jesus uh, is with his disciples and he's in prayer with, together with them. And, and it's just before he's going to go to the cross. And in verse 27, it says, Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. And notice here, Jesus, even though he understood what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen to him. He understood the reasons why he's going to the cross. Uh, the Bible says that the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. All of that. It says his soul he was troubled. And now notice what it says. He says, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. So Jesus understood, but now watch this, watch this. Now he's together with his disciples. He's together with the people, and at that time there was, there was quite a, a, a big group of people with him. And, it's, and he's praying, and he says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by heard it. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Jesus is praying. Let's say he's in a meeting, something like this, and we're all praying together. And Jesus prays to the Father, and a voice speaks out of heaven so clearly that the people that stood by. So it wasn't just that Jesus heard this on the inside of him. It wasn't just some spiritual perception he had. This was a voice, the voice of God the Father speaking so loudly that the people that were there heard the voice. But they thought it thundered. Hello. 
They said, it thundered or an angel spoke unto him. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says and answers and said unto him, this voice came not because of me, but for your sake. Are you with me here? Jesus is basically saying, I didn't need to hear this voice. You needed to hear it. But what they heard, they heard thunder. They totally did not hear what was being said. They, they cowered. Thund- I mean, you know, what, what happens when you hear thunder? You know, uh, I've, I've just returned back from South Africa, and one of the things I really miss about living in South Africa, when I, you know, I grew up there and lived all my life in Africa and, and in South Africa, and if you live where, where I lived in, in what is called the high felt, uh, you have these summer storms that come. And you have these lightning uh, storms, I mean, and the thunder is just deafening. And, uh, you know, it's like if you're just sitting, you know, here and all of a sudden thunder, what are you going to do? You cower. You, 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 you get a fright. You, so all they heard when God spoke, what did God say? God spoke and answered Jesus and said, now I believe that why Jesus said that this voice was not for him but for their sake is that what he was ready to say to them, which I'm not to have time to preach on, what he was ready to say to them about what he was going to do on the cross and what's going to happen about judgment, uh, you know, the judgment of sin. He says, you needed to know this. You needed to know that this was God speaking here. But you see, just like these people here, I believe many of us as believers, what we've done is because we are not familiar with the voice of God, and, and, and I'm going to get, I don't want to run ahead of myself here. But, but what happens is we misinterpret what God is saying. You know, I, I've watched people. I'll give you an example. I've watched people and we go to services and we have meetings or whatever. And, you know, you'll get people and they're excited, man. I'll tell you something. They were in a service. The presence of God was there, you know. Everything is great. Man, it was a great service. And they'll come out and they'll say, oh, man, I'll tell you what. God was here tonight. Oh, was, God spoke to us. And, I, and usually I'll say to them, well, what did he say to you? Uh, but, um, uh, but it was great. Hallelujah. They know, they know God was there. They know the presence of God was there. They know God was speaking, but very few people can actually come away with a personal word that God has spoken to them. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, you guys are quieter than, <laughs> than the first year class. Anyway. <laughs> See, listen, hearing... And, and this is what I discovered. Hearing what someone is saying has as much to do with the hearer as it has to do with the speaker. See, people all the time say, well, if God would just speak to me, if God would just speak to me, God is talking to you all the time. All the time. Well, if God would just plainly speak to me, he is speaking to you as plain as he possibly can. The problem, though, is, is that it's not, the problem is not with the speaker. It's not with him. It's with us. The problem is going on in our own hearts. You see, because the ability to comprehend or to understand correctly, uh, to perceive correctly, has everything to do with a person's belief system. Oh, come on now. You see, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, how many of you understand that people don't always hear what you say? 
Now, if, now if, you've, if you're a preacher, if you're a public speaker, if you've ever, you know, taught, uh, then you will realize this all the time. And that is people don't always hear what you are saying. They definitely do hear what they think you're saying. Or let me put it this way, what they believe you're saying. And so it's not so much about what I'm saying, and it's not so much my ability to communicate. It is your ability to hear that really is the issue. What a man believes in his heart. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say. What the man believes in his heart about God, about themselves, about the gospel about the people around them, will determine what you hear and how you hear. The great, this is, I tell you, this is one of the greatest things I've learned in my life because I tell you something, if there was anybody who was dysfunctional in, in hearing correctly, I was one of those. And I was always misunderstanding people. You know, I've, I've got people, you see, it's not that people, I've many times spoken and I realized that people did not hear a thing that I, it's not that they did not hear my voice. It's not that they didn't understand my language. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a foreigner, foreigner here in the United States, for instance, you know, one of the things Kathy and my, my wife and I always say is that, you know, um, we all speak English, Right? Come on now. We all speak, you know, we speak English. No, no, I know. But, but here's, here's the thing is, is that, you know, I think that Ashley and myself are maybe closer in that we speak English. You guys speak American. But, <laughs> but do you understand? It's all English, right? So it's, it's the same language. Yet, I find people all the time, and I'm just talking about in day, daily life. I go into a, into, a, into a store, and I ask for something in my way, and I use the English language, and they don't understand what I'm saying. Are you here with me? Amen. All the time, right? It's like, it's like, <laughs> anyway. Can I speak English? Yeah. <laughs> You see, what a man believes is that it's not that they don't hear what I'm saying. And even, you know, preaching like this, even at this, I bet you they're going to be a, a, a big majority of people that, that will leave here after this service and will not get what I just said. And it's sad. I mean, sometimes I, 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 I pray about this. Like, God, give me a way. Give me a way that I can unlock so people can hear what I am saying. You see, what happens is, is this, I, I get people all the time, they come to me and they say to me, uh, Arthur, now I, I listened to you in this, in this service and you said this and this and this and this. And many times I would say to them, I never said that. Yes, you did. I said, I, buy the CD, go listen to it again. What you said, I just said, I never said. You see, you filtered that through your belief system and that's what you thought I was saying. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, listen to what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, this, this came to me many years ago as a, as a wonderful revelation for me. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 3, verse, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me turn there. Verse 
Verse 12, it says, mm, should I? No, that's not it. Verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Lord, uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now listen to this verse. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Now, you know, uh, I, I, I've, I've been able to quote that. I've known these verses for years. But the day I read that, uh, that word comprehend just jumped out at me. And I went and I had a look at the word comprehend. This is what it means. It means to apprehend. It also means to lay a hold of so as to possess as one's own, to appropriate, to seize upon and take possession of with beneficial effect. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, in order for you and I, I, I to, to apprehend, to grasp a hold of the, the things of God, if you want to put it that way, there is a heart condition that needs to be established within the believer in order to be able to comprehend clearly the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? Do you see that there? And, and, and you know, so to seize upon the, and to possess what God is saying, what God is communicating, to see the things the way God sees things, then there's for me, this is very clear. Paul is saying there needs to be a heart condition. Two things. He mentions two things. That Christ must dwell in your hearts by faith. That means you need to be a, a believer. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to be uh, somebody who has entered into the kingdom of God through the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Number, number two, he says, and he says, rooted and grounded in the love of God. Man, I tell you something, if you understand that, then for me, they said to me, well, Arthur, what does that mean to be rooted and grounded in the love of God? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Are you guys doing all right? Yeah. Romans chapter 8, say, let's read there from uh, verse, verse 28. Paul writes and he says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. He says, for whom he did foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might uh, be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Then comes verse 31. And uh, Brother Dave mentioned it this morning in praise and worship. What shall we then say to these things? You know, first of all, basically all that those, those three verses are saying is this. Is that, listen, God has called you. He has picked you out. He has known you. 
He, uh, just the way you are, he sees you, he, he, and he still has chosen you, and he has chosen you to be conformed into the image of his son. All, and he says, and if that be true then, he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now here's, you say, what's this got to do with love? This has got everything to do with love. You see, to, to establish your belief system as a believer is to be able to once and for all lay aside any and every reason why you think that God couldn't be on your side. Oh, hallelujah. You say to me, well, Arthur, you know, I, you know, I know those scriptures. I know that you might know the scripture, but have you taken the truth of the scripture and have you taken it to a heart level that everything in your life, every, every way you look at things, every part of your relationship with God, everything that is happening to you in this world. Listen to what, listen to what Paul says here. Paul says, he says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Or let me put it this way, what can be against you? You know, that, I think that's what, that, that, that's what Andrew was talking about. You see, when you come to that place where you realize the love of God for you, that if God be for you, who can be against you, then what you can do is you can look through and look on the other side and see that God has it all planned and ready for you. You are God's own handiwork, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He has planned. Amplified Bible says, uh, it says that he has made ready for you to live the good life. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm going to look at the good life. Amen. Now notice he says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. You know, my, my, my uh, way of explaining this is this. If you're here today and you're, you're sitting here and say, well, I'm not sure. Is God for me? You know, does God really love me? Okay, let's, let's just pretend for a moment. You know, Christians are good pretenders. <laughs> Amen. Let's just pretend for a moment that God is for you. Just pretend. Just, just make like it is so. Amen. It is so, but if you're not, then he says, okay, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? To be established in the love of God is to know that whatever it is that you need in your life, no, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what's, what's coming, uh, as, as a friend of mine says, no matter how the enemy comes and bangs against your borders. Come on now. That you know that God, he's already given you Jesus, the son of God, freely. Hallelujah. How shall he not with that also give you all things? Hallelujah. Now Paul says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? See, being established in the love of God is to know this. That now in the original language, it's like this. It says, who shall lay a charge against the elect of God? God? Question mark. If you want to put a question mark, that's where it should be. Because the question here is this, is God going to lay a charge against you? Is God the one who's accusing you? Is God the one who's laying charges against you, who is disqualifying you? No. Hallelujah. Man, come on now. See, to be established is, is to be able to be aware of this when you wake up in the morning. 
to be aware, to establish your heart in these truths. But you know what I find so many Christians? I mean, I, I, I share this wherever I go. I preach, you know, uh, along these lines. And Christians will come to me and say to me, Arthur, I just never heard that before. Come on now. I, I, I've just never seen it like that before. Are you, sh- are you sure? Man, I tell you something, if, if you're still wanting, is the sure, then... Then how in the world are you going to hear the voice of God? How are you going to understand what he's saying? Come on now. Who is he that condemns? Who's going to condemn you? Come on now. Who, he says, no, no, no. he says, who's, who condemns? Christ? Question mark. No, he's the one. He says, rather, who has died for you. Yea, rather, who has risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, what's he saying? He says, who? Let me put it to you. What? What can separate you from the love of Christ? Nothing. You see, to be established in the love of God is to come. I like to put it this way. Listen to how Paul puts it. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, peril or sword? What's he talking about? Now, you know, here's, here's Paul. He's talking, all of these things came against him. Amen. He says, but none of these things prove. You see, you might be here today and you might be sitting there and saying, but Arthur, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the struggles I'm going through. You don't know the obstacles that I'm facing in the future. You don't know, you know, the sickness and disease that has taken root in my body. You, or whatever the situation is. And what Paul is saying is that if you're persuaded in your heart that God loves you, then none of these things that happen to you will in any way con- convince you that God's not on your side. Now, it might, it might look like it. Amen. Hallelujah. Who shall separate us? He said, verse, verse uh, 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, in all these things, in this world with all of its stuff that comes against us. He says, we are more than conquerors. Why? For I am persuaded. There's the key. Did you, did you listen? He said, I am persuaded. You see, I tell you, to, to establish your heart means that you need to persuade. I can't do it for you. Andrew can't do it for you. Dave can't do this for you. You have to become, because Paul didn't say, you know, uh, uh, the apostle Peter persuaded me. No, he says, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. I need to take the truth. I need to take the truth of the gospel. And I need to persuade my heart. You see, listen. If he says, I, I am persuaded, there must have been a time when he was not persuaded. Persuasion is a process. It's something that you need to do to, to persuade yourself, to persuade. Now, people ask me all the time, well, what, what, what do I need to persuade myself in more than anything else? To persuade yourself, as he says, I am, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. Let me ask you this. The sin you're struggling with in your life, would that be a thing present? Come on now. It's not, this is not a deep theological question, guys. 
Amen. I mean, would you say that the sin you're struggling with right now in your life, is that a thing present? It can't separate you from the love of God. Yeah, and, and, and I just saw a couple of you guys go, what do you mean? See, that just, that just proves that, that you need to be established in this truth. You said to me, Arthur, well, that's just going to give me a license to sin. No, you're an idiot. That's not what it's saying. In all these, he says, things present. I'm convinced, I'm persuaded, Paul says, that the things present, the things that are going in your mind, the things to come. Would you say that the sins or the failures of your life that are to come in the future? Come on. Are they? Neither can they separate you from the love of God. He says this, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Hallelujah. For the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, <clears throat> I wish I had more time to, to teach on this, but I don't, because I need to get along here, because I really want to bring you to uh, an understanding. You see, one of the biggest reasons, see, unless a man or, or a woman or a person is established in and persuaded in their hearts of God's amazing, uncomprehensible, unconditional love of God. He can't hear what God's saying. He just cannot. A man who does not have his heart established in the love of God cannot interpret Scripture correctly. That means you'll, you'll get people who will take the, the scriptures and they will say, but the Bible says it. Is their heart established in love and in the love of God? I'm not talking about in love and, and in treating other people nicely. I'm talking about how God treats you. Come on now. You see, see a person who doesn't, I can, I can tell you now, I can hear a person preach. I can hear a preacher preach and, and, and within five seconds, I can tell you if his heart's established in the love of God or not. Amen. Oh, can I go? I, I do. I think I have enough time to do it all. Amen. So unless, unless we learn, I would put it this way. Unless we learn the language that God speaks, then we are forever going to be like the people in John chapter 12. God is going to speak to you. He'll speak to you through his word. When you read the word, there's many, I, you know, I don't have time to, he speaks to you through his word. He speaks to you through other people, yes. He speaks to you with the inward voice. He speaks to you with the, with the still, still small voice. There's the audible, I've heard God's audible voice three times in my life. So God speaks to you in different ways and different, uh, you know, uh, 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 methods that he uses to speak to people. But you see, if he does speak to you and your heart's not established in the love of God, then you're going to misinterpret everything he says every time he, he speaks. See, one of the main reasons is we as human beings are all highly trained in what I call the language of law. Come on now. We, we, we're highly trained in the language of law. Um, as, and and it's, um, you say, oh, no, that's just church people. No, you, uh, you just have to grow up in this country. 
You just have to grow up in the Western world. Come on now. You just have to grow up in South Africa like I did. I, wasn't, I didn't grow up in church, but I was one of the most religious people I've ever met. Amen. You see, what happens is, is that the language of law is so deeply ingrained in our, in our human psyche that, um, you know, and, and the reason I say that is, for instance, I mean, just, you grow up in this country. We, the system of this world. It's, I'm not saying it's a bad system. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do this. But, you know, as parents, we reward our children for good behavior. We punish them for bad behavior. And it should be that way. Uh, we, we get good grades if we perform well. We get bad grades if we don't perform. We, uh, in the marketplace, you know, you uh, receive wages. You pr- receive promotions uh, if you work hard and if your work is at a high standard. Uh, and even in the church, we are given positions of importance according to our performance. Many times. And so what happens to us all is that, um, you know... We all, we all have this. And, and you know what? Dave took a couple of my minutes, so I'm going to take a couple of... <laughs> He's showing me the five-minute sign, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. Amen. <laughs> but here's... I want you to see that. You know, let's, let's just imagine right now. We're going to go in your car, and you get onto I-25 going south downtown, and you're riding that, and all of a sudden, you see this blue lights behind you. Amen. And so you pull over and uh, the policeman gets out. You know, uh, let's say he's the, the, the state trooper. He puts on his hat. You know, those guys always look like they're like uh, as tall as Dave is, you know. And so he starts walking to your car. He's got a book in his hand. He flips it open, stands behind your car. He's writing down your, your, your uh, license plate. Then he comes to your window and you roll the window down and, and, and see you know, good morning, officer. And he says, good morning, sir. And uh, he says, can I see your license or registration? So you give it to him. And then uh, he looks at you and says, uh, or you look at him and say, is there a problem, officer? (laughs) Come on now, think about this for a moment. I mean, why would you even ask, is there a problem? (laughs) Amen. You know, here's, here's, I tell you what happened. I was in Loveland a, a, a couple of months ago, and, I'm, and, and I was ministering at the, at, actually at the Bible College there in Loveland. And uh, I, I came back late at night, and I'm driving an Escalade, and, and the area I was going through was not such a good area. And as I pulled out, there's this cop car there, and he pulls me over, or it's a, it's a lady, pulls me over. She comes alongside. She says, license, registration, so I gave it to her, but I kept calling. I didn't say anything. So she says, are you not going to ask me what the problem is? I said, no, because you had no, problem, no reason to pull me over. Because I knew I was speeding. I didn't do anything, you know. And she, she didn't know what to say, you know. Because everybody's going to say, is there a problem? What did I do wrong? Well, you see, the, the, the reason we respond that way is because that's all that the law ever does. So the, the policeman says, oh, no, sir. I'm actually going to give you a $500 commendation. I've been watching you, and you're just an excellent driver, and I tell you what, you're just the best, and I've been watching you over a week's time here going past and up, and and I just want to reward you for your good behavior. Has that ever happened to anybody? It has happened to you? You got a coupon. 
Hallelujah. First time I hear it. But hey, but here's the thing is, why, why does this not happen? Uh, and, and now I've found out it does. But, but, but why, why does this not happen all the time? Why? Because the law was never given to find all your good deeds. Hallelujah. Are you with me here? The law was never given, and, and, and even just like a policeman will never pull you over and give you a commendation, just so when you uh, have a relationship with God based upon a legalistic law mentality, then, then Paul says this in Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. He, he says, the law speaketh, notice the law speaks. The law is a voice. Law speaketh unto them who are under the law. And what does it say? That they might be made guilty before God. See, a law mentality and, uh, and, and, and being, and all of us, there's not one of us that has ever really uh, uh, not been under that mentality. So now here's what happens to many of us is that when we come to know Jesus and we come, um, you know, to... Uh, accept Jesus Christ and we come into the kingdom of God under the New Testament, then uh, it is normal for us to come and then hear, oh, Arthur said God's going to speak to me. And then what we do is that God speaks, but we're listening with a law mentality and we're listening to hear the language of law. I'll give you an example. You know, in South Africa, most people can speak, speak multiple languages. I can speak two uh, languages fluently and one I can get along with. And, and uh, many times I've gone, one time, one particular time I went to a bank and, and we were busy getting a loan for, a, for my car. I wanted to buy a new car. And so I went to the bank and I was waiting outside of this bank manager's office and his name was on the door. And, you know, living in South Africa, knowing the different names, when you see a particular name, usually you'll know what language they're going to be speaking. And so I was sitting there, expect, I see it's Mr. Buata, and I, he must be Afrikaans. So I'm ready, I'm, I'm getting my, my whole deal up, you know, in Afrikaans, I'm ready to go and speak to him in Afrikaans, and the secretary says to me, uh, you, you may go in now, and I went inside and sat down, and he looked at me, and he started speaking English, he says, so, so how are you? And I mean, I went, I double take, it's like, excuse me, what did you say? It's not that I didn't hear what he said, it's not that I didn't understand his language, but because my whole expectation was to hear Afrikaans. Then he spoke English. For a couple of seconds, I didn't hear what he said. Uh-huh. Amen. The same thing happens to us when we are expecting God to speak to us in a language of law. But the language God speaks, listen carefully to what I'm going to say. He speaks a language of love. God speaks a language of love. And when we're listening with the expectation of hearing a language of law, and God speaks to you, you're going to hear his voice, but you're going to misunderstand what he's saying. Now, let's do this very quickly. Go with me to Matthew, and I'm going to close. Matthew 16. Are you, are you doing all right? 
Amen. Matthew 16, verse 5. This is a, a, a wonderful explanation and an and, and a illustration of, of exactly what I'm saying. Verse 5, it says, uh, When they went across the lake, this is the disciples with Jesus. When they went across the lake, they were, they were on their way on a missions trip. It says, The disciples forgot to take bread or t- forgot to take food. Are you guys with me here? Say this with me. They forgot. Okay, so then verse 6 says, Jesus speaks to them and says, be careful, Jesus said, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves, said, it is because we didn't bring bread. Now, you know, I'm not sure, but I can dramatize this just a little bit. I'm not sure how this all played out. I don't know whose job it was to bring the food. But I can just imagine what happened. Uh, you think to myself, well, who, who discovered that there was no food? Personally, I think it was Judas. I think Judas was the one, once they got to the other side, you know, he, uh, you know of course, he was a little sly, right? And so he, he most probably started looking for the food. Because he thought to himself, there's a multitude of people here. I can make some, make some money on the side. <laughs> so he started going through the boats and through, and he comes to the place. There's no food. So to his disgust, he most probably went to Peter. Peter, we forgot to bring the food. I can imagine Peter, with his personality, he's like, what? What do you mean there's no food? Whose job was it to bring the food? James, John. Did you... <laughs> James and John must probably say, hey, don't you accuse us. We'll call fire from heaven. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says that they, that they discussed this amongst themselves. They, they had forgotten to bring the bread. Most probably Thomas was the last one to get there. And when he comes over there, he says, hey, guys, what's going on? I see you. And they said, well, we forgot to bring the bread. Thomas most probably went and said, I doubt if Jesus is going to do another miracle. Because, you know, up until this point, Jesus had to do a miracle to feed the people because they had forgotten to bring bread all the time. Can you imagine? Now, here's what I want you to see, if I can leave you with this this morning. Because they were conscious of their failure. I mean, just Peter most probably say, how easy is it just to remember the bread? We're, this is not rocket science, guys. We're not asking you to, you know, to be the minister of interior. Uh, you know, we just want you to remember the bread. How hard is it to remember? And they are all aware of their failure, aware of the stupidity of not bringing bread, aware of, of uh, maybe, maybe their uh, unwillingness to consider other people, whatever it is. And in the midst of their awareness of their failure, which is what the law does. The language of law, he says, for by the law is the knowledge of your sin. So if you are all the time aware of your failure, aware and not established in the love of God, 
And you're constantly being aware, constantly feeling accused, constantly looking at your inadequacies. Then when God speaks to you, you'll do what they did. Jesus comes, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They said and discussed it. It says, because we didn't bring bread. It's like most probably Peter must, must have gone, he said, how does he always know these things? <laughs> you know, so, okay, we, we can't keep this away from him. No, you see, listen, it says, um, verse 8, aware of the, their discussion, Jesus answered, you of little faith. Why are you talking about, uh, among yourselves about having no bread? Do you not uh, understand? Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets full were gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you don't understand? How is it you don't understand? I'm not talking to you about bread, but by, about the teaching. Now listen carefully. Let, you know, Jesus never warned us against the devil. Peter did, but Jesus never did. There's not one place where Jesus said, beware of the devil. Beware of the new age. Beware of Satanism. But he said this, beware of the leaven or the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What is the, what is the teaching of the, La, the Pharisees and Sadducees? Law. And Jesus, and I asked the Lord, he said to me, Arthur, because the teaching of law, legalism, self-righteousness can do you more damage than the devil ever can. You know, some people think that I'm radical and I'm over the board and I'm, Whatever the situation is, but I tell you something, I have seen how this has helped me for a deeper, intimate relationship with God and being able to start to hear what God has to say for, to us. You know, you guys are here this week or this weekend. There is, there is never a, a more important time for you to get your heart established in the love of God. And, you know, that's why I am so thankful for CBC, for Andrew's ministry, that there, that there is excited about what's happening up, on, on, uh, up the hill, as he calls it, you know, it's not a hill, it's a mountain, but it's <laughs> up the hill, and, and the, the, the opportunity to be able to take this gospel and get people established in the love of God, because the church needs this more than anything else. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm, you know, because of what I do is focus on, I would really encourage you. There's the products at the back there. The Bible school that, that, that Gary was talking about. I mean, just make yourselves available to these things. Uh, books. Uh, I've got product at the back there. I'm not trying to sell my product, but I've got books and we've got CDs and Andrew stuff. Get your heart established in the love of God so that we can go and hear and be led of the Spirit, and change this world. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for being so patient. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Awesome, man.
Praise God. Well, that's a great word from God. That is so true. Doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. That's a good word from God. All right, we're going to take a break and be back in about 20 minutes at 1030. And remember that they're going to have a prize to give away some of these great prizes. If you're late, you lag, you lose. Amen. So take a break quickly.